Hi everybody, it's Paula Waterman. Thanks for joining us tonight at Saturday Night Supper Club. We're meeting virtually tonight because Chris and I are just getting over the COVID and let me tell you something, that's not been a lot of fun. So I don't want any of you guys to get it. So we just decided that we're gonna meet online tonight and thank you so much for showing up, I really appreciate it. You know, tonight's um, message was titled, Keep Your Love On, but then I kind of modified it to keep your love on during the pandemic and upcoming election. <laughs> Because that's really what's going on right now is I, I personally am having a hard time keeping my focus on what God wants me to focus on. I'm, I'm finding myself easily distracted by, you know, election things and pandemic things and economic this or that. And, you know, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's what God wants us to do. So, you know, I think we need to maybe consciously come up with a strategy. What are we supposed to be doing? right now like what is God calling us to do during the pandemic the COVID pandemic and all these crazy political times well for me the Lord was like I want you to focus on who you are I want you to remember who you are I want you to remember your identity I want you to get back to business get back to what I've called you to and quit being distracted by these crazy um ploys of the enemy don't don't fall into the, that trap don't let yourself be distracted from that I've got a purpose and a mission for you is what he's been saying to me I don't know about you so one of the things that um, I really believe that we need to get back to we need to get back to a posture of of love love you guys is the answer not a political system or a president or you know an economic system or whatever none of that stuff has the answers to what the world needs we possess the answer to the problems of this world. We have the answers. The church is the answer for the world and nothing else. Jesus Christ and nothing else. And we need to learn how to completely immerse ourselves in our identity so that we don't get off track. And one of, one of our identities is that we are to be the standard bearers. We are to be the representatives of God on earth. And what does the scripture say about God? What is one of the attributes of God? Scripture says God is love. He's not like love. He doesn't promote love. He's, he's not loving. He is love. He's the embodiment of love. And we need to learn to swim in that stream consistently and not get pushed off track. Here's one of my favorite scriptures, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope and love yet love surpasses them all so above all else let love be the beautiful prize for which you run first corinthians 13 13 that's the passion translation you know there's a spiritual battle right now raging for our hearts and this battle has been going on since the foundation of time we see it in the very beginning in um, genesis after god creates adam and eve and he puts them in the garden their primary purpose their number one purpose is to represent God to the earth. They are his um, ambassadors. They are his representative. They are his, so to speak, his, um, like, like, if, like if we have an embassy in another country, that ambassador represents the other country. That's what, that's what Adam and Eve were supposed to be, is represent a different kind of kingdom on earth. And the only way that the enemy could push them off track was to get them to doubt who God is, 
and, and their relationship to him, their identity in him. And they, the enemy does that always through deception, always through deception. The enemy deceived Eve got her into this dialogue about who God was and who he wasn't. And she, she she takes a bite of the apple and she shares it with her husband, Adam. And immediately, in that moment, everything changes. They go from ruler to slave in one moment. You guys, what is the consequence? What is the first consequence of that disobedience, of that fall? You know, it says that... Um, after they ate the apple, their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked and they were afraid and they were ashamed. Fear and shame, that's the first consequence when we get our eyes off of who God is and who he's called us to be. When we start listening to the lies of the enemy, fear is the number one enemy. This is what Joyce Meyer says, fear is the number one enemy that the enemy uses against us, the, the number one, I'm sorry, um, strategy that the enemy uses against us to take us down and to usurp us and to take our authority away from us. You know, when God was walking in the garden looking for Adam, right after Adam had eaten an apple with Eve, and he said, Adam, where are you? I can't find you. Where are you? And Adam says, um, we, we saw that we were naked and we hid because I saw that I was naked and I hid because I was afraid. That was Adam's first response to God was, I'm afraid of you now. I have fear. I'm experiencing fear because I listened to a different voice. And you guys, I want us to be really, really aware that that's the number one tactic that the enemy uses to get us off track, off focus, forget who we are, forget who we belong to, and forget what we're called to do. I really believe with all my heart that you are not at this time in your life, in the history of our nation, at your age, in this place where you live by accident. I believe that God has a plan and purpose for you right now to meet the needs of what our world is going through right now. I believe that just like the Bible says that he created good works for you to walk in since the foundation of the earth and the enemy's number one purpose is to blind you to that is to make you doubt who you were called to be first peter 5 8 says this be alert and sober-minded your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour do you understand that the enemy has it out for you prowls around your life prowls around you and says hmm what are the weaknesses there how do i get in there what do i need to like throw at this person to maybe push them off course, get them distracted, take them down. You understand that your enemy has that kind of purpose in mind when he's coming after you or me because you know what? We're threats. We're threats to his kingdom. We're threats to his agenda. We're big threats. We mean business and he wants to take us down. You need to recognize you're in a spiritual battle. But God has equipped you you have all the authority. You're completely equipped to resist the enemy. You know, <clears throat> there's three areas I've been attacked recently. I don't know about you, but these are three areas. And, and I have to be honest with you. I'm not smart. Sometimes I'm not smart. I turn on and listen to television. I read Facebook. 
I go on to the news websites. That's not smart because you know what? That's loaded with fear. And the, and the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And if that's true, and fear does not come from the Lord, why am I going after that? Why am I even entertaining that in my thought life? If that's not part of God's plan, what am I doing in that? You know, The fear that comes at me, I don't know about you, the fear that comes at me is, well, if my man doesn't get in the White House, our, our country's going to hell in a handbasket. We're, we're screwed. I mean, we're, it's, we're just going down the tubes. That's not true. God's in charge of this world, not the president. Our, our salvation doesn't come from our government. It doesn't come from Wall Street. It doesn't, come, it doesn't come from anything. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. My second fear, when I heard I was diagnosed with COVID, I mean, you're kind of afraid you might die. Like you're afraid, you're well, I'm going to have lung problems and be on a ventilator. And, and then people are going to... Um, think bad about me and you know all this overwhelming fear comes well guess what you guys I'm I, I'm not 100% recovered but I didn't go to the hospital I didn't have breathing problems I'm not in a ventilator I'm not saying that I'm not minimizing what COVID is I'm saying when the fear comes in and it's unreasonable and you find yourself paralyzed with fear that is not from the Lord that's not wisdom there is wisdom to take things seriously to be smart but when we partner with fear now we've gone beyond wisdom right the my other fear is well you know what's going to happen after the election maybe the economy is going to tank we're self-employed how are we going to make money how are we going to pay our bills well the truth of it is this you guys i'm a christian i'm in a covenant relationship with my god and he has made a covenant that he's going to take care of me no matter what because that's who he is he has sworn by himself that he will take care of me and mine and I either believe that or I don't. And I choose to believe that. I am not going to entertain fear in that area. A lot of times, if we're going to resist fear, we have to ask, how did it get there in the first place? Like, where does it come from? For a lot of people, I think myself included, um, fear is part of my generational makeup. It's part of, it's been in my family. It's in my extended family. We call that a generational curse. That's something I had the authority to cut off right at the root and no longer participate in. But I have to make a statement against that. I have to make a choice to come up against the generational power of that uh, stronghold in my life. Another <coughs> possibility for some people is it's part of their personality. It's just part of the way they're made up. <laughs> the good news for that is we're not hostage to our personalities. We have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And the Holy Spirit gives us the authority to rise up and take captive our thoughts. We don't have to be um, held captive to obsessive thinking and destructive, fearful thinking. We actually get to partner with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you're in charge of me, not my emotions. My emotions inform my decisions, but they don't make my decisions. I make my decisions. I decide what I'm going to think about. That's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Isn't that fantastic? You know? Um, and I just, I really feel like we just have to identify where does fear come from? You know, another, another one that I've kind of dealt with in my life. And this was a hard one for me to see because I was so emotional. But when I was going through my divorce, it was really, really scary for me. And I was spiritually oppressed with fear. Not only did I have generational fear and maybe fear in my personality, but I had, 
a spiritual oppression of fear. When you feel doom, gloom, um, the future is never going to be okay. It's always going to be sad. When there's this message of nothing will ever get better, I guarantee you that's a spiritual oppression from fear, from the spirit of fear. And again, we have been given the power and authority to absolutely take that down. I'm gonna tell you how to do that. You say thing, you say it just like this. You speak this out loud. This is how you take down the spirit of fear. You say, spirit of fear, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you. I cast you from my life. I say that I will no longer come into agreement with you. I shut any door of agreement that I have opened. I close them. You are no longer permitted access to my life. I cover this area with the blood of Jesus. Go now and never return. Simple. That's how you do it. But in order to get fear out of your life, sometimes you have to identify the root so you can effectively go after that root. Is it generational? Is it part of your personality? Is it spiritual? The, all three of those can be handled. All three of those can be overcome. You just need to look, where, where's... Where's my source? Where's my root? You know, one of them too. another way, another strategy handling fear is found in um, James 4, 7. So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from you. You know, the Bible says we've been given the power to resist the enemy, but this comes with a little bit of a um, if then, then this kind of proposition. We need to surrender to God and resist the enemy and he will flee from us. There's a part where we have to surrender to God. You know, sometimes we want to um, hold on to um, things, fears, their company. We've maybe lived them for a long time and we're like, hey, I don't want to let go of this. And God says, no, I want you to let go of it. I want you to surrender that to me. I want you to make a decision to work on that, to identify it, and to not partner with it. And in our default, sometimes we're under pressure, we go to our default, which is fear. But part of surrendering to God is saying, you know what? I'm a new creation, and I'm going to check this with God first. When this thought comes to my mind, I'm going to say, now, God, is this from you? Is this from me? Is this from the enemy? How do I need to handle this thought? We need to check out our thinking with the Lord so that we can think like God. So that we can act the way God wants us to act. Be who called, who God's called us to be and walk in what God wants us to walk in, right? We have to partner with him and that takes surrender. We have to surrender to the Lord. You know, part of surrendering to God is sometimes choosing to do something else. For me, I have to choose to love sometimes. Now, ideally, we always want to love out of feeling like it like I want to feel like I want to love I want to have the lovey feeling inside of me right but that's just not always I that's just that's not, that's not the way it works right I mean let's get real sometimes we don't want to be loving sometimes love is a choice sometimes love is a chore sometimes it's hard but you know what if I really want to be who God's called me to be I need to put my big girl panties on and be a big girl and do the things that God has called me to do that's going to advance me to where he wants me to go, right? You know, I go to, I have, I belong to this, I think I've told you about it before, I belong to this club called the 3 to 5 Club. It's this business club. It helps us as self-employed people to 
kind of develop our business plan and stuff like that. And I've been, I don't know if I've been doing a year now, maybe nine months or a year. And every single time I meet, we meet twice a month. They say, what, why are you doing what you do? Like, what's your big why? What's your big why? And I'm like, well, you know, let me make money so I can be loved. I never, I, I haven't really been able to articulate it. I don't know why. And it's just now come to me. I think through this, through this dumb pandemic, through what we've gone through, of what I want to do. I want to point people to the real solution for their problems. That's what I want to do. I'm never about band-aid approaches. You know, I got into mediation. I don't know, six, seven years ago, whatever, after my divorce, because I didn't feel like there were any Christian people in the field, and I wanted to help people like myself, and blah, 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 and a lot of times I, I do mediations, and I do I help people fill out the paperwork for the divorce, that's what I do, it's not super life-giving, I'm not really for that, I really want people's marriages to be saved, that's what I really want, I want people to know Jesus Christ, I want them to um, have tr a transformed life, I want them to be productive, happy, successful people but I don't I can't make people be Christians either right and so sometimes you know you do something because you feel like you're called to it and you're obedient to it and because it is part of a love offering maybe that you're given to the Lord but you don't always understand it until later down the road when God gives you a little bit of clarity and I was talking to Pastor Bob about this and I was telling him how my um, mediation business has increased so much I mean divorces are way up through COVID but I have, a, I have people calling me, and they're not calling me about, like, hey, I want to get divorced. They're calling me and saying, hey, I don't know how to be married. I don't, I don't know how to be with this person anymore. Like, like he, my husband isn't working in the office anymore. He's working at home, and we're strangers to each other. And should I get a divorce because we don't love each other anymore? I mean, th those are questions people are asking me. And I'm like, hey, I'm a mediator. I'm not a counselor. Like, I don't know that I have what you're looking for but I feel like God is saying Paula I've asked you to be this mediator for five six seven years and you haven't known why because this is the season that everything that you've been doing that I've called you to do has built up to this season has prepared you for this season because now people are genuinely saying we, we're lost like we don't know what we're doing can you help us and now you have permission to open your mouth and say Oh, no, you can stay married. You just need some skills. You need X, Y, or Z. I told this girl, I don't think she was a believer. I said, listen, I said, I, I do a marriage class, and we studied Jimmy Evans. We love Jimmy Evans. He's a, he's a faith-based marriage guy. I mean, I don't know where you're at, but I would go look him up on YouTube, and I'd watch his Marriage on the Rock. That's the first thing I'd do, and, and get some tools for yourself, you know, to even understand how you're feeling. She texted me a week later, and I said, "You don't need mediation. You're not ready for a divorce. You don't. You're not looking for divorce. You want your marriage." And she called me a week later, and she said, "Oh my gosh, I got his audio book called The Four Loves, Four Laws of Love." She said, "Oh my gosh, it's so good. I love it so much. Thank you so much for telling me." And I just, I, I had this conversation with the Lord. I was like, "Lord, what? Like I'm a mediator. I help people prepare the divorce paperwork. What are you doing?" And I felt like the Lord was like, listen, you think I don't see your obedience. You think I don't see the offering that you're given to me. I see it. I'm going to use it. Trust me that when you do what I've called you to do, 
there is a harvest down the road for you. And I just want to repeat that to you guys. Sometimes love is not what we want to do. Sometimes we don't want to love the family member who doesn't believe like us politically, religiously. Sometimes there's a family member who's super duper obnoxious. And we'd rather just gossip about them and make fun of them and not love them. God says, you know what, if you'll do what I've asked you to do, I'm going to give you a harvest for your obedience. I'm going to give you a harvest for your faithfulness. Because you know what? The Lord knows. He made us. He knows what gives us joy and happiness. And he is waiting to give that to us. But we have to partner with him. We need to show ourselves approved. We need to show ourselves approved. And partner with him. I've decided that big why for me, you guys, I, I, I'm done fooling around with, you know, tiptoeing around the answer for things. I, I don't want to do secular things. I want to do Jesus things. I want to say to people, Jesus is the answer. Here's a group. Here's Celebrate Recovery. Here's a marriage group. Here's a men's group, women's group, whatever. Go get plugged into community because community, they're going to keep pushing you to the real answer. They're going to push you to the real solution, not just outward transformation. It's inward transformation. You know, the big lie that the enemy is telling our culture and our people is that if you change the outside, then everything will be okay. It's exactly opposite of what the Lord says. The Lord says, I have come to give you a new heart. When you have a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone, then the world can be transformed. It's our hearts that have to be healed. It's our hearts that have to be changed. Not our behavior. Our hearts. Behavior follows your heart. Out of your heart flows behavior. That's what I want to do. I want to show people the true healer that can mend their broken hearts and give them a plan and a purpose and a destiny. And I'm finding that if I will stay focused on who God has called me to be, not get distracted by fear, practice the discipline of love, even when I don't feel like it, that God is going to reveal to me in due time what he's doing. I get to be part of his advance guard on earth. He's Make no mistake, he's king of this world. He is the king. His army is on the move. I'm a part of his army. You're a part of his army. I want to be well-equipped. I want to be awake. I want to be powerful. I'm a powerful, powerful warrior in the army of God. I'm taking down the enemy. I'm reclaiming captives, and I'm helping to set them free because that is who God has called me to be. And you guys, that's who he's called you to be. So take your eyes off the world. Don't listen to the enemy. Press into love. Be who God has called you to be. And God bless you tonight. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in our world. I, I thank you in advance for the miracles that we're going to see coming up very soon. I thank you, Lord, for the harvest. I thank you that we were born for such a time as this, that we get to participate. We get to see your movement on earth, Lord. God, help us to um, deafen our ears to the enemy, not listen to what the enemy is saying. Choose to love you and to love others. Be with us. Strengthen us, God, when we get discouraged. 
Help us take authority and to stand in our rightful place, God. I thank you for every blessing you have given us. We love you. We say yes and amen. We participate with everything that you're doing, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, you guys. See you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye.